Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And good morning. Welcome to another edition of the Northland Sports Page. Happy 6th anniversary to the show itself. Happy 6th anniversary to Brian and Dave, has been said before, and that would be accurate because... In the studio with me today is a Dave. It's Dave Hoops. It is not Dave Cook. But Dave Cook, like any good couple, wouldn't want to miss out on the anniversary. So even though he's fallen ill, he has made his way to the phones. Happy anniversary, Dave Cook, and good morning. Can you believe it? We made it this far, Brian. Here I'm sitting sitting in the in the in the kid or in the living room in the in the silk pajamas after the anniversary celebration. Fantastic. Wow, that redefines my favorite catchphrase in the history of this show. Radio is not a visual medium, but here I am now having to picture Dave Cook wearing silk pajamas. How are you feeling, my friend? I know you're not feeling well enough to be here, but your voice is here, and in radio, that's, of course, what matters most. Yeah, no, it's, it, I'm coming along. I'll live. The, the COVID monster is not a good monster. No question about it, and you're right. We've made it six years. A big part of how we made it six years is sitting in the studio with me because He's been part of this almost from the beginning. Ryan Arola was first, one of our sponsors, Arola Architecture Studio, but a very close second and a very big part of what we do. Dave Hoops, good morning. Uh, Good morning, guys. Uh, Dave, continue to get better. And I'm very, very happy to be here and grateful for all the time I've had with you guys. It's been a lot of fun, Dave Cook. I was telling Dave Hoops about that very first show because every anniversary we've gone back to it and we'll have an opportunity to do that chatting with Jordan Leopold in about a half an hour's time. But I said, we've had a lot of great guests on this show. We've overcome some technical monsters at times. But that first show, the first technical monster was me. We didn't know what button did what. And the first thing I did to Jordan Leopold was hang up on him. I think when we go back in time and we think about moments, the first moment I will think of is your hand shaking like nobody's business over the go button. No question. It wasn't nervous about being on the radio. The microphone's not a big deal. It was here. You're going to run this board, too. And I kind of went, could you yep. repeat the part about the thing? What button does what? Yep. We've managed yep. to no, at least that figure that out to sustain a show for about six years. And it's kind of fun because schedule-wise, it worked out perfectly. The first show was November 4th of 2017. We've always celebrated the anniversary the first Saturday in November because it coincides with the first show. But this is fun because this is to the day. It was 11-4-17 when this show started. So that's how you remember um, what you've, you've done okay is when you can celebrate it on the same day six years later. Huh? No doubt, but I was a little bit concerned. What did it mean for our well-being? Because you're not here physically today. You're not going to be here physically next week. Are you filing for some sort of radio divorce that I need to be aware of? <laughs> nope. This week was unplanned. Absolutely next correct. Week, next week is one of those moments you just can't miss. Yeah, that one was on the proverbial calendar, and we appreciate you still making the time to be part of the show today. It certainly wouldn't be an anniversary without you. I'll tell you what else wouldn't be able to provide an anniversary for us. That would be if we had a lack of sponsors, and we do not. We mentioned Oof. a couple of them, Aurora Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings of Duluth, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, and their plethora of locations, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resorts, 
Kohler, Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai, and of course our friends at Comfort Systems. And right there is the first telltale that Dave Cook's not here because you do that 3,000 times better than I do. Well, there was a few things you missed. You missed the carrier carrier. But hey, you know what? I'm not there, and so how do I poke holes at anything? Right. I've got enough show to orchestrate. I'll do the sponsors however I damn well please. No, but it's <laughs> it's one of those type of uh, what-if moments, and that's been the strength of these last few shows has been the what-if mantra. We're going to do it twin style today. But before we dive into that, and we should quickly because there's so many moments of what-if surrounding our favorite baseball team, but I thought about it in honor of the anniversary. We could have made a, a what-if list for the show. What if this, this, and this happened? Would we still be here? Or would we have persevered through the YouTube era? Because you said the COVID monster is not a good monster. Don't forget, it had an impact on this show, too. Yeah, isn't that true? Did we survive through the YouTube moments? Boy, that's something, that will be something to go back and look at. I haven't, I haven't gone back and looked at those. Holy cow. I was going to say I have, but I'll tell you this. Again, radio is not a visual medium, but I shouldn't have because some of the things that we were wearing or doing as we were in the comfort of our own home still producing a recorded show were a little bit different. Some of your uh, wardrobes du jour, Dave, you in particular had probably the best ones. Well, here's the thing, Brian. You know I've painted that room since because uh, the room wall color that we had is kind of an off-white, and you know who else is colored off-white? Me. And so it tended to blend right in the wall. It was headsets and clothes. It wasn't, you couldn't see me. Well, and don't forget the first laptop I had when we were doing that. The camera was so far off that I was completely washed out. I remember a show that we did and we were talking about, nah, it has to be the lighting or it has to be something. And then I took a picture on my cell phone of what I actually looked like that day. And I sent it to you guys and I did a side by side of what was on the screen. And you guys went, oh yeah, your camera needs some sort of help. You know, I forgot about that until you mentioned it. Yeah, your camera was bad. No two ways around it. Yeah, it was the first time that I ever sent a picture to someone and they actually blamed the camera. I appreciated it. I know I got a face for radio, but for one day I was told I looked all right. The other thing that I was thinking for this show, though, if you want to play the what if game is what if Minnesota sports was actually successful on the regular? Because I'm of the belief and I was just telling Dave Hoops this in regards to time for two more that will air tomorrow after Vikings fan line. Dave Hoops was asking me, how's that show been going? And I said, you know, we get a lot of calls. We get a lot of feedback. There's a lot of passion, a lot of opinion. And I said, you know what? I think a big part of that is the fact that the Viking season has had so many peaks and valleys. If they were going along business as usual and blowing everybody out, I don't think we get a lot of calls. You've said, Dave Cook, that, you know, happy fans don't say much. Angry fans got something to say. You can say that in general, because if Minnesota sports was the epitome of success, I'm not sure we've had quite as much banter and debate about the good teams. We talk about the Minnesota Lynx. We don't talk about them enough. Why? Because they're good. Now, we certainly could listen to sports radio and other markets and say, well, they pull it off. We could too. But again, I'm of the belief that if there's not as much debate and frustration, sports radio isn't as fun. No, I think you're right, but we can always go back and listen to, uh, like you said, sports radio in Boston. They just whine about how not quite as good as they used to be. So right. I guess that's sort of, that's the direction we would have gone. And it's going to be interesting today because Dave Hoops is in studio with me, and John Carlson was actually in here earlier this morning. And I know John Carlson, Dave Hoops, has said this directly to you, that he loves your positivity on the show. And he brought it up when we were doing a football game last night. I'm intrigued that if you rub off on me today, if I'm going to just be a ray of sunshine, because when it comes to Minnesota sports, you usually are certainly more so than the two of us. Well, you know, it, it goes for, you know, like a happier life. It does. It just works out. You're just fine. trying to teach us. Well, I'm going to watch the games. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy them no matter what. Why be all spun out of control when we lose? I agree with that. And one thing that you've certainly taught me, and I've really taken this to heart. I think you said it maybe a month ago, but I think you've said it a few times. 
the number one thing that Minnesota fans should be passionate and pleased about is that they've got all the sports that they want. You don't have to cling to one or two teams, and if they're bad, you're just kind of checked out. We've got a number of sports that it's not bandwagon to jump from one team to the other. It's the fact that, oh, we've got this team, this team, this team, this team, and this team. There's plenty to still be excited about. Yeah, unfortunately, our four major sports ended a little bit prematurely with the Rangers. But Monday, NCAA basketball starts, and we all know how we all feel about that. Absolutely. Oh, there's another fill-in right there. I was going to say, I'll be doing a Division III game, a couple of them, come Wednesday already. So, so much for an offseason between fall and winter. But we talked about the what-if. And Dave, I think the other big thing is, you know, we talk about sports radio and what's it like in successful markets. Let's go to the what-if for the Twins because, let's face it, the Twins are treated differently, whether they should be or not, but they are treated differently because they've actually won the whole thing twice. It just puts them on a completely different pedestal than the other men's franchises. Well, I, I agree, Brian. And, and you know, we talked about this when we first started the program, it, not the show itself, but this program, uh, about the idea that it's really tough when you're pulling moments to, to the what-ifs, to what-if positive moments. Right, because you don't usually say, "Well, this could have happened and it would have been bad." Instead, it's you look at the bad ones. But my first one uh, that I wanted to bring up is is what if TK makes a different decision on the mound in Game Seven? Yeah, what you if know, Game today, Seven of ninety one takes place in two thousand eleven? Morris goes five and two thirds. That's right. Even even if Morris is having a great game and he goes seven, right? I mean, what if the decision was was to bring in you know the reliever at that point? You know, would we see that game quite the same way if it's Aggie or, or Nathan on top of the mound with his hands in the air? Or or because Morris went 10, it made it not just a win, but a win for the ages. I think that's one that, I mean, there's your there's a good moment in time that yeah. uh, it's fun to look back on. That's a very good jumping off. So in your top five, is that number five? Uh, that is not. I gave you my big one first because I think that, I okay, so you, you came out swinging. You hit your home run right away. I did. I did because of positivity. Dave is there. So I went positive right away. <laughs> All right, well, I I'll didn't go. want to talk positive and then go hammer stuff. Well, I'll Jeez. go positive then, too, and we can do this in reverse <laughs> if you want, then. I'll go with my number one first because I consider it a palace, and you know how much I like to hang out there. You know how much being there for the home opener is a big tradition for me. Number one for me is what if Target Field never gets built? Now, mind you, I've got a ton of memories in the Dome. Tover Davis is probably giggling at home going, it's the sixth anniversary of this show. He's got to tell the story about his first Twins games in person. Closed circuit to Tover, I'm not going to do it. But as much as I love the Metrodome, Target Field is just a different animal. But you can go beyond the fan experience. If Target Field doesn't get built, there was something called contraction, staring the Twins right in the face. And I'm not talking about females going into labor. I'm talking about this team being removed from Major League Baseball. If Target Field isn't here, the Twins aren't either. I think you can even throw in there uh, stadium, new stadiums, because if you remember, the Metrodome saved them too. Uh, Met Stadium was torn down for the Mall of America, and what are you going to do? So instead of building a baseball field, though, they decided to get cheap and build one for all sports. But, you know, it did keep them, it did keep them here, and it was pretty successful as well. It certainly was. So, Dave Hoops, what's your thoughts on Target Field salvaging the Twins and keeping them here for years to come? Well, I think the Twins are an institution that's not going to go away, but I do think that baseball should be played outdoors, um, notwithstanding Arizona and their dome or whatever. But, And I think that changed the entire uh, mindset of, of people that weren't all that interested in the Twins. Right. And you want to sit outside, you want to have a beer, and you want to have a hot dog. 
And then you want to think about what happens when we make the postseason and it's, you know, 20 degrees out. Right. Because it's really cool. I was going to say, they're called the boys of summer for a reason. It's hard to embrace that summer aspect when you're sitting in the bubble that was the Metrodome. But you make a great point because you mentioned baseball needing to be played outside and you mentioned Arizona, but you also mentioned the postseason because just imagine for a moment as the World Series just wrapped up with Texas capturing the title, beating Arizona. Just imagine if Minnesota had been part of it because a lot of people were lamenting that they weren't because there's a theory out there that the Rangers and Diamondbacks weren't all that good. I'll contest that. I thought the Rangers were actually pretty damn good. But at the same time, can you imagine if the World Series was in Minneapolis this week, you would have had snow shovels out? Yeah, I was thinking a lot about that because I really did think they were going to win that game four and and go against Houston for a game five. And I thought that they could beat Texas. I, of course, I always think that, but yes. I was already considering That's why you're here. This. We love that about you. Yeah, well, and I was definitely considering that this week as I was watching games. Boy, if we were playing in Minnesota now, we could be playing in Minnesota. Like right. Monday Night Football, when they beat the Niners, it could have had a World Series game in Minnesota. Now, everybody thinks that I'm just full of hot air, but that's what go, that's goes on in my head. But you're full of hot positive air, and we need that to offset Dave Cook and myself. But we talked about the Twins being treated differently, so we're doing the list a little bit differently. Instead of going 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, let's go ahead, Dave, and go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We've already shared our number ones. What did you have for your two slot? Yep, my number my number two slot was um, how in the world did you let Billy Martin leave town? Billy Martin went on from the Twins to go manage the New York Yankees to World Series after World Series after World Series. But before that, he led the Minnesota Twins to division championships, and and he got these kids to run bases hard, and we were exciting and all that. And one day we let Billy walk, and imagine what that 70s Twins, where they could hit and they could pitch a little bit, but they couldn't field. Like, that was not a great team. But if you'd have put a manager in there who could get, you know, 10 wins, which Billy Martin did with the Yanks, 10 wins a year out of his team – that 70s team, would have, we wouldn't have been the joke of the league turning into the 80s. Yeah, I think that's a good point. The other thing that I think would have become from Billy Martin staying is, I guess it would have been interesting one of two ways. Either the Minnesota Twins wouldn't have been an afterthought and it wouldn't have been considered the cornfield-style market because you would have had a Billy Martin-type personality running the show. Or Billy Martin just would have been another character in baseball rather than somebody whose personality gets you know blown up a thousand times because he's in New York. Yeah, that that could very well be. That could very well be. But, you know, the fundamentals that he taught and the intensity that he, he managed with, I mean, imagine, you know how Twins fans like gamers as it is. Imagine you put a, the ultimate gamer manager in charge. Yeah, that would have been interesting. The other part that I had for those 1970s Twins, and you could actually go right to 1970 and even 1969, it didn't make my list, but I thought about as you were talking about this era, what if the Baltimore Orioles just didn't exist? We talk about, in recent times, how much the New York Yankees have been the bugaboo for the Minnesota Twins. Back then, it was, we're good, but Baltimore's that much better. You know, that that might be one of the most underrated great teams of all time, is that four-year four year, uh, championship run of the Orioles, where you had four starters, you had multiple Hall of Famers in the infield. Like, that team was, that you're right, that team was ridiculously talented, that Orioles team. Yeah, no doubt. There's something to be said for when I wasn't alive to see any of them pitch in the big leagues for the Orioles, but most baseball fans, and it helped that one of them was a pitching coach in Duluth for the Dukes, but most baseball fans can recite Cuellar, Dobson, McNally, and Palmer without really thinking about it. My number two, we talked about target field in the Dome. My number two was what if they never had home field advantage in the World Series? Because let's face it, the Metrodome was a big part of 87 and 91 in terms of getting the victory 
And back then, it wasn't determined by head-to-head. It wasn't determined by better overall record. It was simply every other. And the Twins got lucky in the sense that they were never in the World Series in my lifetime where they were going to be on the road four times as opposed to home. Can you imagine if in 87 and 91, they had dropped those series in seven games? The misery that we have as an overall sports market would be amplified. Yeah, buckle up, right? Hey, wait a minute. I got a question. You didn't see Jim Palmer pitch in the major league? I did, but not with that Baltimore team in oh. 1970. I was born in 79. Got everybody it. everybody saw Palmer pitch in the major leagues because I think he tried to come back again in the 90s. That was my point. I'm like, how old are you? I, you didn't, I didn't know you said 1970. I thought you said you didn't see any of them pitching the major leagues. I'm like, goodness gracious. No, I, I certainly tried to block out all his underwear ads, but I may have seen him on the mound, that's for sure. <laughs> so that was my number two with the home field advantage because the two titles, again, puts the Twins on a different level, but without the Dome, they don't have them, in my opinion. What's your number three, yeah. Dave Cook? Um, the wisdom, and this is, is going to sound weird for me, the wisdom of the Twins in 1987 that trade for Jeff Reardon. Because he's, kind, in my opinion, if you really want to look at the, the deal that got the Twins going in far as, as far as winning, was when they decided that when you had Ron Davis out there and you could be up by six going in the eighth and you ran Ron Davis out there and there was a 50-50 chance you were going to lose that game, how disheartening it was, one, to the team, because what do you do with that? and two to the fans. So they went out and got a professional closer. And he turned the game into a seven-inning or an eight-inning game. Yeah. Right? He so, certainly and, did. They called the him the Terminator for a reason. Yeah, the confidence that that trade instilled on that team changed their attitude, changed their abilities, and changed the outcome. Yeah, I don't think there's a question that it changed the landscape of that team in 87. And I'll go even further and say maybe it changed the landscape of what the Twins made sure that they were good at because I just talked about – not being old enough to really remember those vibrant Baltimore Orioles staffs. I am just old enough. I went to my first Twins game in person. Again, I'm not telling the story, Topher, but when I went to my first Twins game in person, Ron Davis was the closer. So I'm just old enough to know back when they were bad in that department. And you think about Reardon being the first really great closer I think they had. I know they had others before him. We can name them, but I feel like the great one, as you said, started with Reardon. But then think about that position for this team in years gone by, they've been solid pretty much from 87 to present day in that department. You can almost name them all because they all had some sort of nickname because you went from Aggie to, to Everyday Eddie to Nathan. I mean, yeah, we've been very fortunate in that position. I was waiting for you to go, and then there was Neck Tattoo Guy because you never remember John Roush's name, but yes, he was good too. He was there for one year. I know, but you have a tendency to uh, give me at least a descriptor so I can give you the name. Well, yeah, it's an anniversary show. you got to do it at least think, once. Man. That's how I think. So, yes, that happens. Although I would have probably said professional wrestler guy since he was also 6'11". I was going to say, and somehow, some way, I still would have gotten it. And you would have said... Oh, you'd have got it. You would have said tilted ball cap guy, and I would have still got Fernando Rodney for you. It would have been fun. So my number three... <laughs> Not wrong. ...is a bit of a point of pride for me because I've been known to have nothing but venom towards Joe Maurer. And I'll go back and say it's really not that. My venom was towards Joe Maurer apologists, just like in the football world... There's venom for Kirk apologists, and I get the other side of that coin. But Joe Maurer obviously faded, and injury was the reason why. And I got upset with fans that still treated him like every year was 2009. It just wasn't that way. But there was a moment that I wished Joe Maurer's fate would have gone much more positive for him, and it was that ball in New York in the playoffs that Phil Cuzzy started to have a reputation that was almost Angel Hernandez-like and making bad calls against the Twins. 
that fly ball that was ruled foul in the left field corner should have been probably a ground rule double. And then I know you're putting the cart before the horse a little bit, but then I think they win that game. And then I think the playoff losing streak isn't talked about nearly as much. Maybe they win a series. Maybe the New York Yankees aren't this invincible villain team. I think that could have changed a lot. Now I know some things would have had to fall into place, but that would have been step one. I think you're right. I love this one. I love this one because of how, you know, we've talked about in all kinds of, in all kinds of situations or all kinds of topics, how one moment in time can change a direction completely. Right. Um, and this might be the biggest one for the twins. And the reason I say that is one, they catch a break, right? Two, their all-star comes through in a clutch. Uh, and three, the Yankees are no longer invincible. And so whether they win the series or not, that single play changes the narrative. Right. I just think that some of the narratives that people didn't have to work very hard to know, the playoff losing streak, maybe it's still plenty large because there were certainly games after that that the Twins did not have success. But I just think it's not as generational in narrative as it became. So that was my number three. Where did you go, Dave Cook, for number four? And I want to let Dave Hoops chime in because radio is not a visual medium, but he's doing a lot of smiling and nodding in agreement with what we've said so far. So let's see what he thinks about your number four. Uh, Well, that one hopefully is uh, I'm going to present this one kind of cheeky. Ready? Uh, There is a there's a 1970s ban on sprinkler heads in Oakland. That way, when Tony Oliva goes catch that fly ball in right field, he doesn't step on one and blow his knee and basically end his career. See, this is interesting because this is something where we both have it on the list, but I went ahead just as I have done with the Vikings with a couple weeks ago and then the Wolves last week. I made 10. I have five that I'm going to mention and five that I'll just briefly touch on as honorable mention. The Tonio injury theory made my list too, but it checked in at number six. That might be intentional because Tony Oliva, when I think of number six in the world of sports, that's my first guy. It's really interesting, Brian. I was reading a thing earlier this week when I was coming up with this list. And on a per-game basis, 162-game season, Tony Oliva has better numbers than people like Tony Perez. Uh, his numbers are, are easy Hall of Fame instead of, boy, he had to wait till he was 80 Hall of Fame. People don't realize how good Tony Oliva was when he was a kid. Like, he was a machine. and that And, and we didn't get to see that because of, the fact that they let their sprinklers stick out in the field. Yeah, that's a great point because, and that's actually part of why I sunk it down my list. I think it would have made my top five if we did this segment, say two, three years ago, because we still would have had Tony Oliva's not in the hall of fame. He belongs in the hall of fame. He's not, you know, revered as much as he should be because of the injuries where now, even though I completely agree with you, it took way too long. He's got the hall of fame. He can sign everything. As he says, Tony Oliva, HOF, and he loves it. He's got the accolades that he probably should have had decades ago. So you're right. The timing would have been much better if not for the sprinkler issue. But I sunk it down my list because present day, finally, I think people are getting to appreciate Tony Oliva the way they need to. Yeah, no, I, I, I hope you're right. Because, I mean, how many times do you and I talk about a ball player that we remember or our dads con- talk to us about our grandparents right. or whatever who, who were a big deal, but history just kind of says, yeah, all right. Yeah, he was pretty good. But if you look at it, uh, on the Immaculate Grid uh, yesterday, you know, Lefty Grove is is a guy who, during his time with Boston, was the guy. But if I say Lefty Grove, any fan practically under the age of 30 doesn't have any idea who I'm talking about. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I'm going to let Dave Hoops chime in here because you've you've kind of been sitting back and enjoying the list so far. A lot of smiling, nodding. I've even gotten a couple thumbs up from you. 
What's going through your mind as you hear these lists take shape? Well, I'm amazed at, uh, at how deep you guys go. I was thinking about future twins, you know, seasons and stuff when we were talking last night a little bit. So the, the digging of the deepness of, of some of these things that I don't remember, I'm really, and then I remember when you talk about them. Right. Uh, it's just great. Now, the Tony Oliva thing, you know, I was thinking about in today's terms, what would happen? The entire in the the outfield would be leveled. Yeah, everything would change. It would be national news. It would be endless. There'd be lawsuits. I was gonna say, you think Oakland's ready to sell the team now? It would have happened immediately. Yeah, exactly. But no, this is really great for any true Twins fan to listen to you too. I'm just a fan today too. I was gonna say these are baseball nerds getting to have a half an hour that they've been begging for for a while. But again, it's happy six years of having the Northland Sports Page. I can't even say Dave having a two hour show because. Perhaps we've forgotten that we didn't start that way. We were one hour for a long time, and then we've been two for a long time, and there are still people out there, and you and I kind of shrug them off and smirk that would prefer if we were three or more. Well, that's the that's the, our original statement, I believe, was 10 pounds of stuff in a five-pound yeah. bag. Yeah, the FCC-regulated um, you know, stuff. Yes. The, uh, the other thing, Dave, that um, if you look back and you take that, you take Oliva's incident today, with the, with the medical advantages and knee surgery, he might have only missed like six months and then come back fully ready to go. Yeah, I you mean, have to think maybe the lingering just, effects aren't there. That's a good segue yeah. for me, though, too, because speaking of lingering effects, it, it yeah. segues perfectly into my number four. My number four had two words, and it was simply Canadian concussions because I can't put bigger value on one than the other. Justin Morneau, if he doesn't get hurt the way that he did going into second base in Toronto – He's on an MVP pace season, and he already won an MVP with the Twins as it is in 2006. But I think too often we think of Ken Herbeck, and then there's a drop-off, and then there's Justin Morneau. And and in the modern era, per se, there haven't been enough good first basemen for the Minnesota Twins. I think Justin Morneau plays at a higher level for much longer. And even though the team was struggling when they eventually traded him to Pittsburgh, I'm not sure that that moves take place because Justin Morneau is among iconic Twins. Now, you can argue that he still is, but how much more production would we have gotten? Are we looking at a 500 home run guy? Are we looking at, I don't yeah. want to say Killebrew-esque because that's too grandiose, but close. No, but how about this? Is he a Hall of Famer? And I think Probably. The if he gets that, yeah, I think if he gets that second MVP, which his numbers were just crazy at a halfway point in the season. Um, yeah, I think we might have a Hall of Fame first baseman. And then you're right. He's not, you know, you talk about greatest twins of all time. Justin Morneau, may or may not be in the top 10. And uh, if he doesn't get bonked in the head and, and have that concussion, uh, he's probably in the top five. I mean, think about that, that career right. loss. Cool. No, I tend to agree with you. And for the mid to late 80s, the Twins had linchpins at both corners of the infield. They had Gaetti at third, they had Herbeck at first. Beyond those two guys, they struggled at one or the other and sometimes both corners. Because the other Canadian concussion for me is Corey Koski sure looked like he was on his way to having one heck of a Twins career as well. The concussions in his world, he just never recovered from. I think, and don't quote me on this because I'm not looking at the stats, but I think Corey Koski might be the last Twins third baseman to go 25-100 and 100 in a season. And Corey Koski, that looked like it was going to be lather, rinse, repeat. Holy cow, what do we have here? Instead, he's just kind of a cameo of those early 2000 Twins that, that turned the corner for the franchise. But at the same time, I don't know that he gets among top 10, top 15 all-time Twins, but he's certainly not, oh, yeah, that guy. You know, the crazy thing about Koski is it's really also the first time in my life 
that I saw what a concussion actually can do. Right. Because they he tried to run himself back out there, and it was I remember when he almost got hit, or maybe he did get hit in the head in a foul ball in Milwaukee. You know, and it's like you're a professional baseball player. You can't miss that, but that was the concussion. You know, it it gave just enough of an error when you're playing at that high level that, you know, things happen, and, and doggone it, you're right. We had a guy, and the concussion stole what could have been a great career. Absolutely, it did. Speaking of great careers, I'm going to go with my number five first because this guy had one, but it was certainly shortened. And I don't know what we would have missed in terms of productivity, but we would have missed milestones and kind of that farewell victory lap. My number five, and many could argue that this should be higher, what if Kirby never gets hit by Denny Martinez, and this is not to blame Denny Martinez, but what if his career doesn't end so incredibly abruptly? Are we looking at, you know, 3,000 hits? Are we looking at, you know, five more years in a Twins uniform and, and the farewell that Kirby never truly got? Yeah, you know, very seldom do we get to see a superstar like that have a, have, you know, fade off into the sunset um, for for Twins fans, right? Um, and that would have been something because he wasn't the same guy, but he still would have turned in, you know, 280, 290s with 20, 25 home runs, close to 100 RBIs. He'd have been the DH for a while. Like his his numbers would have been, you know, some to see. And he was, I mean, I don't know how much higher on the Twins rank he could have gotten, right? Um, but yeah, and uh, so the funny thing for me is my next one is injuries. That's all it says. And, and not tiny little injuries, right? But we're talking about career enders, yeah. career changes. We're talking about Mowers. We're talking about Olivas. Um, you know, all these guys that Buxton get need in the forehead in, in Cedar Rapids, right? Um, you never know what a, what a change without these massive Justin Morneau style injuries. I'm glad that you said that because injuries might be the great summation of this team. And it's not all bad luck, but there is a lot of that because I'm looking at, again, I came up with 10, five that we discussed in detail and then five more as we go to break here very shortly that I will just mention as honorable mention. But I'm looking at my number four, five, six, and seven, and they all involve significant injuries. So to say that that played a significant role on this team is an understatement. One of the guys nobody talks about because of his injury and what had happened was John Castino. John I was Castino just going to say that. The, his darn back. You know, the, yeah, the American League Rookie of the Year, and he hurt his back at the end of that season and almost never played again. Like, uh, we, those kind of guys never got a shot. And when they keep getting injured like that, that's how you get, you know, the early 1980s and the end of the, end of the 70s when the Twins were just uh, afterthought. Speaking of afterthought, real quick, my five that did not make our top five, or at least my top five, Number six again was Tony O and his knees holding up again. It was number six for a reason. Number seven is what if Joe Maurer doesn't have the injury riddled latter half of his career that he had? What if nobody knows what bilateral leg weakness means? And that was also number seven for a reason because of Joe Maurer. Number eight was the Tom Bernanski trade, which you very eloquently said before the show, which one, the one to get him or the one where he left? I'm going to go with the one where he left because it broke up the chemistry of that 80s group that had had the horrible season in 82, won it all in 87, was a pretty good team in 88, and then all of a sudden we went and got maybe the worst teammate ever in Tommy Herr in exchange for Tom Bernanski. Number nine is kind of Vikings-esque because I talked about this with them. What if they had won one of those four Super Bowls? As a franchise, they're viewed differently. What if they had won in 1965? Now, I know that they've won it twice in my lifetime, and I love that. But sometimes I think those two teams are viewed above the iconic creatures that are 
Rod Carew, Tony Oliva, and Harmon Killebrew. And that shouldn't be. But that tells you the value of a ring. Yeah, 100%, Brian. You know, and, and I want to give a hat tip. I want to give a hat tip to the cheap pole ads. We'll call it the cheap Griffiths beforehand. And my last one says, pay the man. Yeah. This is the story of the Minnesota Twins. Blylevin, Carew, Knobloch, Bostock, Johan, Frankie. Just keep going through the list of guys who By left Frankie, I just want to clarify. You mean Lariano because I know you're biased towards Frankie Rodriguez, but you're not mentioning I him. Viola. I meant okay. Viola. All right, just making sure. You no. see, you got too many Frankies that you love. And then, not and just then, your dog. Yeah, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting next to one. And then the la, the the one that got away that nobody talks about, and I, I'm going to read about this someday, is the twins. Uh, the twins and the Marlins were the two people left for Miguel Cabrera, and the Marlins outspend him. Pay the man. Can you imagine what this Twins team would have looked like with, with Miguel, Miguel Cabrera. Cabrera? How much fun would that have been? I don't think the playoff losing streak is a thing then either. Speaking of things that nobody talks about, I went the reverse. I got to mention my number 10, and I'm going to put it under things that nobody wants to talk about anymore because in six years to the day on this show, it has come up too often. But if it doesn't make the list, I feel like we're not paying attention. I put it at number 10 on purpose so we could three seconds as I go to break. But everybody wants to talk about we cut ties with David Ortiz too early. Okay, we did, but we got to find a new topic. Yeah, your injured, injury-prone uh, but productive designated hitter gets cut. That's what I wrote down. Yeah. Well, and that could be a present-day idea, too, because your injury-prone designated hitter right now, his name is Byron Buxton. Going yeah, back to the true. first show six years ago today, that first guest ever was Jordan Leopold of Gopher and Wild Lore. We're going to cut Dave Cook loose for the moment to get Jordan Leopold with us. Dave Cook, this is going to be an interesting sixth anniversary show because you're going to be on every odd-numbered segment. We'll call you again for segments three and five. Hang around, will you? Hey, treat Gopher guy nice, huh? Yeah, they got a good win last night, so congratulations to you guys on that. It's a shame that you can't giggle together like schoolgirls about gopher hockey like you like to do. So we will call you again in about 20 minutes or so. Sound all right? All right. We'll talk to you then. All right. That is Dave Cook. Happy anniversary to him. Happy anniversary to the Northland Sports page. Dave Hoops is with me. Jordan Leopold will join us by phone next. Stick around. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is the perfect intro song for our next guest. Feels like the first time by Foreigner because it is our sixth anniversary to the day today for the Northland Sports page, Brian Prudhomme, Dave Hoops, Dave Cook, of course, my usual partner, falling ill this weekend, but joining us by phone every other segment. But of course, he frees up the phone for Jordan Leopold to join us now. Jordan remembers that first fateful day on the radio because we got him on and I quickly hit the wrong button and hung up on him. I may want to today if he starts talking too well about his gophers just dominating UMD in men's hockey last night. But I always love talking to Jordan. We're going to do that right now. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you now? How happy are you with a very dominant gopher performance last night? Well, I, that, to be honest, I didn't get to watch the game. My wife's birthday was yesterday, so we had this uh, kind of really odd experience. My wife, um, she said, for my birthday, I'm going to plan my birthday party, and I'm not going to tell you anything. So earlier in the day, like, what are we doing? I'm not telling you. So 
I end up going to this place called iFly in Minnetonka, which is a simulated skydiving place oh, where wow. they have a wind tunnel. And you go in this wind tunnel and uh, you enjoy. So we went there with about 12 other people and uh, quite the experience. All right. So, Jordan, you heard me say at the outset that my usual in-studio partner, Dave Cook, who is the mammoth gopher fan, is not able to be here today. He got bit by the COVID monster. But Dave Hoops of Hoops Brewing in Canal Park in Duluth is with me, and he's one of our greatest sponsors. Dave Hoops, I know that you've got skydiving as part of your repertoire. What's your response to a a simulation like that? Well, uh, first of all, good morning, Jordan. And, of course, big fan, longtime listener, all that stuff. But, yeah, I'm um, uh, an amateur skydiver myself. And uh, most fun thing ever, jumping out of an airplane. That's all I can say. See, I, I got to do that. I I think I, I got an itch right now, so it's great. But uh, Hoops Brewing, awesome. Um, yeah, you follow up on the gopher stuff. I mean, you look at it, I know we're in, uh, in dog land up there. But um, gophers have struggled uh, as the past couple weekends. I was at the Wisconsin series and watched that, uh, that thing unfold. And Mike Hastings, who recently took over for Wisconsin, ended up uh, – Winning the chess match, uh, college hockey is so much different than when I played because of the portal. you got all these guys that can come in, and uh, Hastie's, <laughs> he does it again. He, he finds a way to get guys to buy in and play a certain way and uh, took down the number one Gophers, and last night uh, the Gophers ended up back on the win column. So uh, who knows what's going to happen tonight, no home and home. So it, uh, it's up in the air uh, well, for you guys. Hopefully uh, the right Maroon and Gold team wins, but I'm, I'm rooting for, for the other one. I kind of figured you might be. You made an interesting statement with college hockey being so much different because of the portal, and you're certainly not wrong. But college sports, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, is different because of the name image likeness theory, too. Now, you're hearing about it a lot more in football and basketball and other sports, I think, will get there. Do you see that impacting hockey very much? Uh, I do. I Actually, uh, myself and, and a few other uh, O2 grads at the U, we just founded uh, a new alumni association down at the U, and uh, that's one of the things that has come up is this NIL stuff, where uh, how do you raise funds to get NIL money in the hands of uh, athletes? Uh, so that's a whole new deal for me, too. I'm sitting here going, okay, this is just very odd. But um, it is it is coming, and it's going to be a force. Obviously, it starts with football. Uh, but in Division One sports, it's it's kind of going to become the norm. I, I hate to say it; it's just unusual. Um, it's a it's a money making business, and uh, somehow, some way, it, there's going to be some dollar amount uh, assigned to certain guys. that's going to lure them to to uh, universities. You know, you look at North Dakota; that's one one example. You know, North Dakota right. is in the middle of nowhere, but they end up getting all these uh, big names, and they have huge following uh, up there in Grand Forks and. They're able to raise funds, and that may be a difference between going to a, say, Minnesota, Michigan, um, you know, big big school versus little school. So who knows? I, I don't know how this is going to change it and how this is going to play out, but it's it's all pretty pretty new to me. Uh, but I understand it being from professional sports. Uh, do I like it? Um, you know, yes and no. There's pros and cons to anything but uh it is what it is and we're gonna end up finding a way to deal with it yeah i agree with you i feel like there needed to be a balancing point i think something needed to be done because i've had this debate with people before too that your regular college students can have a side job or an internship or what have you there's so much time being put in by these student athletes that extra money should be there for them but 
extra money being one thing and what the uh, name image likeness is bringing in is very different when, especially when you consider like a Caleb Williams for USC football, when he can consider not declaring for the draft because he can sit and make more by continuing on at USC, that seems odd. Well, it, it is. And I, I ran into it in Oh two or Oh one when I was in school, I, I was hired to run a, a hockey camp. And at the time I was making $50 an hour to run a hockey camp and I was running the entire camp I and mean, I should have been making a hundred, $120 an hour. Uh, but NCAA got a hold of that. I was making $50 an hour and they thought it was a violation and sitting there going, no, I'm working. That's, that's the going rate, if not more. And they put me through a little bit of scrutiny over that. And that, that to me is, is wrong. But you know, if, if guys are going to sell their name image likeness, um, yeah, they should be able to prosper from that. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be a huge industry in hockey, uh, maybe in our state a little bit, uh, but the exposure just isn't the same as it is in football. Football's big money, you know, and the SEC is going to run that, and they're they're going to set the set the landscape for how this goes. And there's already bidding wars out there for everything uh, for guys coming up. And exactly what you say, guys are staying in school instead of turning pro. Uh, because they're getting uh, royalties, and that's a that's a big part of it. But you know, me school is a little bit important too. Um, but it's a control thing. It certainly is. Speaking of control, had the Wild had any control of any hockey game in the past week, week and a half? Because yes, you're a former <laughs> Gopher, but you're a former Minnesota Wild defenseman as well. And I was going to actually start the segment by saying, can you lace them up one more time? Because this team defensively. Can't seem to do anything. Now, the penalty kill is being ragged on for good reason. You could go even further and say, well, if the penalty kill is a problem, stop taking so many stupid penalties. But how much of the Wild have you watched, and how difficult is it to watch right now? You know what? I haven't watched a lot, but I've heard the the comments. Um, so, I, obviously, they're struggling. Um, so, the big thing is, and you can just reading articles and understanding what's being said throughout a locker room and throughout coaching staff is uh, they're, they're in peril right now. <laughs> you know, coach Dean is, is saying, we just got to work, you know, whenever a coach says that, it's like, all right, we're going back to the basics. We're going to make things a little bit miserable, a little bit uncomfortable, and we're going to somehow grind our way out of this. Well, in, in reality, the wild, they're still living off that uh, suitor Prezi buyout. Um, you got, cap money on the table that they can't spend. So you can't get certain guys to help out. Kaprizov, from the sounds of it, looks lost. Um, Gus played a first good game, and then after that, uh, who knows? Uh, so it's just a matter of guys clicking at the right time, and it seems like none of the guys are clicking right now. And like you said, if you got penalty kill problems, stay out of the box. You know, it's, it's a simple formula, but it's hard to do, you know, especially when you're chasing the game like they are. Um, you know, it hasn't been pretty. Um, I, I don't think it can get much worse. So um, it's going to get better, a slow climb. But, you know, they start losing a few more games, and you're definitely going to hear the whose heads, whose heads are going to go flying. Yeah, I wondered about that because I believe it's only been 10 games. That would mean that there's 72 left. But it does seem like there's a growing impatience with the Minnesota Wild. Part of it is, like you said, I think there should be more patience because we know that they're still up against the uh, backlash, if you will, of the – Suter Parisi buyout, and I understand that. You talked about the Gus bus playing a really good start to the season, and then since then it's kind of all been downhill. I made a comment last night covering a section title game for football. We were talking other pro sports at the half, and I said, you know, you look at the goalie statistics for the Minnesota Wild right now, and we just talked about student-athletes. You wish their goals against were actually grade point averages because that's how high they are right now. My question for you is, 
How hard is it to tell whether that's defensive structure of the players in front of him or the goalie himself? I, I think you can look, and if you're the watch tape enough, you watch how the goalie is tracking the puck. And we, we say tracking, and that's make your first save, then where's your footwork for your second save? You know, if it's sloppy, yeah, you're not on top of your game. And, and goaltenders, I mean, like Flurry, he's pretty honest when, when it gets to the media. He's like, yeah, I suck. You know, right. they, 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 can, they can feel it. Um, so goaltender's job is, is to make the first save. And then after that, it's the guy's job to sort, sort the mess out. But, of course, you need a goalie to make a good second save here and there. That creates momentum. We're just not getting that. And when you don't get that, you know, you're thinking, okay, all right, here they are. They're running around our zone, and now we're tired, and they get one chance, two whacks, three whacks, and it's end up in the back of the net. And it just you're losing battles all over the place. Um, you can't find any puck luck in, in the other end. You, you spend more time in your your zone. Yeah, it's it's inevitable. There's going to be goals scored against you. So you can't 100% blame the goalie, but you don't want to see soft goals either. The soft goals get deflating. Um, you know, goalies normally own those, but it it does get uh, to be a little bit of a momentum turner. And yeah, we're early in the season, so not to panic, but you know, you get into this fifteen twenty game range, and if you're below five hundred, it's it's real tough to climb out of that for the rest of the season. You got to go on quite a run and stay healthy. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to see what the Minnesota Wild can do. As we're chatting with Jordan Leopold, former Minnesota Gopher, former member of the Minnesota Wild as well. Jordan, we talked about the fact that the Gophers are here. It's the home and home tonight. It's at Amsoil in Duluth. Hockey in Duluth has been beloved for many years, but hockey in Duluth at the college level over the past week has been dealing with a significant tragedy. With what happened to Adam Johnson, probably one of the saddest things that I've ever heard and quite frankly made the mistake of seeing by watching the video. It usually takes something tragic for things to change in a big way. Are we headed towards the Kevlar or whatever material you want to use, but neck protection being mandated at some level of hockey? Well, I mean, I'll look at it this way. And I've traveled around the world and seen, um, you know, all sorts of different youth hockey and, and uh, you know, juniors and all this and that. Canada in the youth requires you to wear neck guards. Um, you know, we don't here in the United States. Um, it's been brought up a few times. But, yes, with the tragedy and, of course, I mean, God bless their family. God bless everybody involved. Um, I did not see the video. I will not watch the video. People always tell me, you know, like, hey, did you see this? Like, no, I'm I will just tell you it. that be glad you didn't because KFAN talked enough about it during the week and being one of their affiliates. I thought, okay, if they're going to have this heated debate, I want to see what they're talking about. I wish I never would have seen that. Yeah, it's uh, – and I mean, I don't even like watching guys get knocked out because I've been there, done that, and it's not a feeling that I enjoyed, so I, I, don't, I don't go there. But I do know this. Um, I was in playoffs one year at Buffalo, and Jason Palmonville ended up getting a skate across his Achilles, um, and he, he severed his Achilles tendon. And at the time, it may not have been a big debate here, but being in New York and close to Toronto and, and Montreal and all this, there was a debate on should players be wearing these Kevlar socks. And, of course, Palmonville got healthy, but he, he wore the Kevlar socks ever since. You know, and a lot of guys ended up switching over to them instead of old-school sanitary socks. Now, the NHL and even hockey has an image, an image mirror test type thing to worry about, which even in the NHL, we have what they call the mirror test when it comes to what helmet you're going to wear. Well, instead of worrying about what helmet is the most protective and comfortable, guys will throw the helmet on and go look in the mirror and go, what do I look like? You know, that's, that's an issue that we have to get over. 
where I was <laughs> I was made fun of a lot because I wore my socks, my hockey socks, outside socks, over my tongues and over the back of my skates. Kind of looked silly, but the reason I did that is because I skated barefoot and I didn't want to get cut. Um, and in the skates, if you have the tongue out, it can end up getting stuck in the tongue and cut your tendons on the front of your foot. Right. So, you know, if, if there's – we live in the world post-COVID. Post-COVID, when we had to wear masks, we had – Trainers from uh, Texas University football team making COVID masks and all this stuff. I mean, we should be able to make some kind of, uh, what is it, like a neck hoodie right. or something. Slap a logo on it and we'd all want one, right? Yeah, and we should be able to come up with something where we we can find a comfortable, uh, practical use. Um, now, are there going to be growing pains and people talking about it? Yes. We went through that with visors. You know, when I played, you were, it wasn't mandatory to wear a visor. Now it's just regular that everybody wears a visor. You can't even get out of it. Um, so it's it's just going to take time. But I, I think if it doesn't hinder the player at all and it's just a looks type thing um, and comfort thing, you know, they'll get used to it. And I, I don't see a negative to it. Uh, it's probably more of a positive. But just the public perception and, and the hockey player perception has got to change on that. I would agree with you. Talking a lot of hockey with Jordan Leopold. Jordan, talking hockey means winter's either here or on the horizon. We've already had some snow, but nothing really accumulating or sticking, which we can be happy about, at least for the time being, in Duluth. But I want to talk about how winter affects your other end of business besides, you know, being a hockey legend. What goes on at Mississippi Gardens come wintertime? Pretty much close the doors. <laughs> um, That's simplifying no, it. Just, it, it just- it gets slow. I mean, it really does. We're more of a wedding-based business, um, yeah, and it's it's just one of those things where that's that's how it goes. But we end up doing banquets, some other stuff. Um, I happen to be coaching high school hockey to beat beat some time this year, so that will be uh, kind of fun as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. We got bumper music going already. We got a little "I Will Survive" by Gloria Gaynor because you were part of our first episode ever six years ago to the day. And when I hung up on you in about the first three seconds, I don't think we thought we'd survive this long at all, but we have. But you are an assistant with Andover, correct? And just to get that right, yep. I've got Duluthy Steve Potosha right ahead of you here on the show. Yeah, that's uh, that rumor is true. I didn't uh, talk about it at all during the summer, but uh, I'm going into it pretty blind and uh, just going to form- formulate my own opinions and hopefully, hopefully have fun. That's the biggest thing. I want to have fun, get back in hockey at a higher level, and this will be great. All right, well, hopefully you and I can at least continue to cheer for the Wild together because between the Gophers and the Andover Huskies and me being UMD and Duluth East, we may never be parallel that way, but I appreciate you being such a big part of what we've done for six years now. Thanks for joining us again. Hey, no problem. I'll just say this. Go Maroon and go. All right, that's fair. That encompasses everybody. That's well played. Jordan Leopold, we appreciate him. He was our very first guest, and he's made every anniversary appearance since then. We'll go back with Dave Cook. He's always got questions for Dave Hoops. It's time for that segment. Stick around. We'll be right For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done. Hi, back. Back on the Northland Sports page, little ZZ Top, little beer drinkers and hell raisers. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Hoops, Dave Cook. By process of elimination, that makes Dave Cook the hell raiser because Dave Hoops and I would certainly be beer drinkers. And Dave Hoops, of course, is the sports brewer. He is one of our illustrious sponsors at Hoops Brewing. 
Also, Roll Architecture Studio, OAR Holdings of Duluth, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier, carrier, HVAC authorized dealer, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group and their plethora of locations, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, and our friends at Comfort System. Speaking of friends, Dave Hoops, you said immediately, for your segment, you've got very dedicated listeners and we love that. You want to give a shout out to one of your friends as well. Uh, I'd like to just say hi to Craig Silcox, my good friend of many decades, who is you know, born Californian, lifelong Niners fan, listens every week, and um, I know that we're texting back and forth. And um, I just thought about just just like Topher, we've got a Northern California fan base here. And sorry about the Niners, Craig. They'll be fine. Don't worry. I got the Vikings to worry about. So uh, say hi to Jane. There you go. So who knew, Dave Cook, that we were so big in California? Much love to Topher Davis as well. He's been a huge part of what we've done over six years' time. In fact, his first show was week two. Dave Cook not physically here today. He wasn't physically here for week two either. But he's back again by phone. Your second segment of the day, our third. Good morning, and how are you holding up? I'm hanging in there. Uh, it's like I said, COVID doesn't give me a whole lot of choices. Um, the... Uh, I want one. I want to know uh, how Leo was. I'm sure he was happy. Wait a minute. I want to know why you didn't just continue to listen. You should know yourself. (laughs) No, because I had to sit here ready for the phone. I didn't want to screw anything up, Brian. I'm old. And then the, um, uh, the other thing is we have at least five listeners now. We didn't know about this new one. Wow, we are we are we stockpiling. Sure. To be fair, I actually did because I met Craig at Hoops Brewing. I think it was a couple of falls ago at at Laura's memorial, and he's a great guy. And he literally wanted to spend hours talking about the show. So for Dave Hoops to point out his dedication, it's no exaggeration at all. But speaking of dedication, Dave Hoops has been dedicated to us, and Dave Cook, you've made it fun because you've always got great questions for him. I'll let you just go ahead and kick it off because we're already up against the top of the hour. Yep. So here's the question. Uh, I have a new neighbor that moved into the house from, or moved into a house down the street from the Southwest. And, and uh, she said to us, I am going to love it here with the seasons and the fall colors. Okay, guys, how do you break somebody in that they're about to meet winter for the first time without scaring them away? How do you present it? Well, there's a lot of ways you can do that. There's no reason to be negative, obviously. You know what I like to do is, you know, show up maybe even if you have the money with some thermal underwear. Or at least <laughs> there you go. Give the guidance that anything is totally comfortable if you dress for it, no matter how bad it seems. That's a positive way to break this in. Wear for the seasons. Well, it isn't exactly breaking news that Dave Hoops is a nicer guy than I am. And in this scenario, he's certainly going to be too, because I know Dave Cook that you just said that you didn't listen to the last segment, even though you could have on your phone via the Northland fan app and still been ready when we called you again, but you were afraid of messing anything up. So I'm going to say that maybe you're not the most tech savvy guy. I have to assume that your new neighbor isn't either, because if you move somewhere and you're not aware of what kind of winter you might be up against, that tells me you never Googled Duluth, Minnesota before showing up here. You shouldn't have to break anything to them gently, to be honest. But at the same time, I would just warn them to, you know, yes, appreciate the fall colors while we've got them, but don't expect them to be sustained because they might be around for another week or two. And just, you know, we say less is more sometimes, not in Duluth, Minnesota winters. More is more. Dave Hoops mentioned thermal underwear. I'd mention anything that you could. Whatever you like to wear, by January, you might be wearing all of it. This is why you need to go with somebody else so you can give each other like the side glance, like what do I do now? Because 
<laughs> I got I may be married to somebody who's a bit of a smart aleck, and she said, "Well, we'll talk about that in a few weeks." Right. I was so gonna say, I, let's get her reaction to the first big snowstorm. If she's gonna think, "Oh, it's so beautiful," she's right. But is she gonna think it's beautiful when it's still there in April? That's the trick. All right, ready? Uh, we have talked about fan bases we love. We've talked about fan bases we hate. My question for you guys today is, which fan bases just annoy you? Which get on your nerves? You don't hate them, but it's like, good Lord. All right, so for me, we're going to take the Packers off the table, right? I have to be a little more yeah. inventive, I would assume? Yes. Uh, all right, yes. then I have to think a little bit, and I'll let Dave Hoops go first. Well, there's many. Um, you know, the obviously the Eagles fans are a problem, but one thing I'd like to say is that North Dakota is going to be coming to town next week, and you would not believe this, but they're some of the greatest fans. I was say, they're actually awesome. Yep, and so they don't annoy me at all, and they, they fill up the beer hall, and I want to give them a shout-out. Uh, I'm sorry, St. Cloud, but your fan base annoys me sometimes. I think with local college hockey, you're probably right. I don't even get that annoyed with Gopher fans because they've had you know so much success historically that I can't even say it apparently, but you have to acknowledge it. St. Cloud State is... You know, I just assume that St. Cloud State fans are also Vikings fans because they love to glorify the fact that they've actually accomplished nothing, but still talk about how good they are, and we do that as Vikings fans. On the pro level, I'm not sure because even though I can't see Dave Cook, I know he's going to eye-roll me because he's going to say, you do it with your love of Boston teams, and I'll still contend that I don't. But I think that there is something to be said for Laker fans and Cowboy fans that either aren't in Los Angeles or aren't in Dallas how? how? How did you get there? Are you bandwagon jumping for sure? And and Cowboy fans are probably the worst because, yeah, they did a lot way back when, but they haven't done much recently, yet they seem to be the kings and queens of this is our year until it obviously isn't. America's team. Right. Huh. I think America's yeah, team is, is well in the rearview mirror. I watched a thing the other day, well, not the other day, yesterday, on uh, Michigan's fans reacting to this Harbaugh mess. Yeah, Michigan fans are annoying. It's like, God, all right, figure something out, uh, but let's not keep telling us how you guys are undefeated and ready to go and national champion, uh, this and that. So Michigan fans officially on my list of teams that have fans that annoy me. Yeah, I think that's pretty good, and I think people probably thought I was going to say Yankee fans, but I'm not going to for a handful of reasons. Number one, our next guest, who is also a co-host of mine on Sundays, Steve Petosha is one of the biggest Yankee fans I know. Tied into that, my mother is another one of the biggest Yankee fans I know. And Dave, you just talked about our five listeners. She's definitely one of those five if we're really that limited in number. So I'm going to be nice there too. The other thing is Yankee fans have have kind of been humbled a little bit. Now, yes, are they always seemingly good? Certainly. But they measure themselves in championships. It's been a while since the New York Yankees have been part of a World Series title. So they're kind of getting a dose of reality, and I'm just kind of enjoying that. Yeah, that's very true. A little bit of comeuppance, and uh, frankly, that's going on with Red Sox fans, and I'm okay with that. Frankly, Brian, I'm okay with the Red Sox winning a little bit now because they've had a couple, three years of of downtrodden, so that's okay. Well, and I will say, even though you peg me as bandwagon this, that, and the other thing, the closest thing might be the Red Sox because I'm not sure how big of a Red Sox fan I would be. It started for me when they did bump off the Yankees in that historical comeback, but I'm not sure how big of a Red Sox fan I would be if I hadn't fallen in love with being there in person, because going to Fenway is just a whole different experience than anything else that I've done in sports. But speaking of a different experience before the show, Dave, you mentioned that you had two questions for Dave hoops, but not three. And Dave hoops jumped on and said, well, 
can I do one for you guys today? We're going to let that happen. You said you had a question for All us. Right. Well, I think I may or may not have asked, and, and, and Pitt should weigh in too, but so if you could, for the rest of your life, only play one sport, and that sport, you were at the highest level. You were like professional level, and you had to choose, and you had a 10 or 15-year career run where that's what you could do, but you didn't get to play anything else. What would it be? I'm going to open it up to Dave Cook first because you've actually had athletic prowess for me. This is the ultimate dream scenario, but Dave Cook, go ahead. So are we talking about the sport in general or are we talking about a specific position? Uh, you can pick whatever you'd like within that position, within that sport. Yeah. So from the time I was about six, all I ever wanted to be was the great big right-handed power pitcher. Uh, Tom Seaver, uh, a little bit of Nolan Ryan, and just ride that for you know for your whole life and so i'd have to say a number one uh starter on a major league baseball team although i'll tell you what uh superstar kicker on a football team that just was nailed um and come out with a body completely intact that might be the one but that, i'll go with the i'll go with the big number one so this is a fantasy scenario obviously but i still had a dose of reality to it so i immediately eliminated two of the major four sports I can't skate, so I'm not suddenly playing hockey. And with my frame, I'm not sure how lenient we can be with how your body's built, but I might die on an NFL field the first time that somebody tackled me. So I I took that one off the table. So either I was going to be an incredible three-point shooter in the NBA, because that I can certainly do and pick up basketball, or I was going to play baseball for somebody because I've played you know enough softball where they're close. Granted, nobody's throwing an underhand to you in Major League Baseball, but It would either be baseball or basketball for me. I think I'm going to lean baseball because then you're playing at these beautiful venues and beautiful weather in the summer for the most part. And I would probably be a second baseman because my arm's not strong enough to play short or third. And I never mind being close enough to the big star. And there are a lot of shortstops that are the big stars. And I'd be like, yeah, I get to be right next to him all the time. So that kind of fits my personality. I'd go that route. What about you? Oh, those are great answers. And it's fun. I thought a lot about this. And of course, in my head, golf came up a few times, but I would be a, a pro tennis player with a combination of nice. Federer and Rafi and maybe Borg skills, and I'd have that run, and then I'd keep playing tennis the rest of my life because it's a, it's a lifelong sport, and it seems like a really cool lifestyle. I should have gone that route. I pigeonholed myself with the big four, and I wish I wouldn't have because I probably would have agreed with you because probably outside of my brief slow-pitch softball career, my favorite sport to play for many, many years. And again, with my limitations, it was doubles, but tennis brought out a joy in me that, that I don't think I've, I've, you know, equaled since as an athlete. Yeah. It's fun. Pickleball sure. is so prevalent now, but I'm going to do it at some tennis point. Tennis is harder on you. Yeah. Right? Very what much were you so. going to say, Dave? Sorry, I interrupted you. I was, I was going to say, you know, the one sport that's missing that might be surprising people is hockey, but I think we've been around enough guys who have gone through the, the grits mill to even get there that we know how hard how hard hockey is on kids from about 15 to, to 20, 25. And it's like, gosh, I sure would love to be a star, but you really have to believe to get there. And uh, they go through hell when they're, uh, you know, in the juniors and the college ranks and then the minors, uh, where in baseball it's hard. But like Brian said, you're, you're um, pulling together. It's not so much cutthroat as it is, I think, in hockey. So fun to think about what could be in our athletic careers. I want to talk about what could be in the brewery as we're doing the Hoops Brewing segment 
a little different look today. It's Dave Cook on the phone, Dave Hoops in studio. But we always close by talking about what's new at the brewery. You had an article in the Duluth News Tribune this week that may have well said, Dear Brian, at the top of it, because it was all about fruit beers, and I loved it. You've got more coming. Well, the great thing, and Dave's earlier point about his new neighbor, which he also, you know, look forward to everything up till Christmas. And then after that, you can hibernate. Well, we're looking up to everything till Christmas. They're listening to us at the brewery today, and we've got all these fruit beers. Just a little bit of apple left. Cranfest comes out for Thanksgiving. Excited really about fun. That. The blueberry harvest just came in, and we've got our blueberry pail coming. And, of course, the epic, you know, the the original OG, the the twelve twenty five cherry. That's all coming as well as our usual fun and games and a whole bunch of really nice hoppy beers as well. Find a better beer than cherry ale at Hoops Brewing. I'll wait and I'll be waiting for a long time. Speaking of waiting, Dave Cook, you've got to wait for us to call Steve Petosha and then we will call you again to play by ourselves. Sound all right? Yep. Say hi to Steve. Absolutely. That is the end of hour number one. Hour number two is next. We talk to Minnesota Wilderness assistant coach and a man who has many other titles as well. Steve Petosha kicks off hour number two on our sixth anniversary. It is the Northland Sports Page. Stick around. We'll be right back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.